development. It's all we envelop in telephone. A wealth of intelligence. Unless you're selfishly embellishing all of the championships. Basking it in. Let's study in. The conferences. Pac-12 and Big. 12 and the 10. SEC, ACC. Win, 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 win. So let me welcome everybody to the wild, wild west. A faith that's intelligible like a Leoness. To track kids your eardrum like a slug to your chest. Best your best for your Jimmy in the city of sex. We in this sunshine state with a bomb ass and beat a state. Never find a dance floor empty. And pimps beat on a mission for them green. Lean, mean, money making machines serving fiends. That's my welcome to the west, baby. The Pac-12 is back. Pac-12 is back. Good to have the Pac-12 back, so. Feel like we have all the conferences finally in the fray. So this is Debbie Owner's Manual, three point one three. Actually, I almost said one two, but I was looking at my old notes. This is the podcast which talks about college players in the Debbie landscape and how to use that Debbie team that you build to translate to a successful NFL fantasy football team. So this is, you know, we'll talk a little college, a little NFL, mostly college though. That's what we're talking about. That's what I love the most. And happy the West is back. I'm also bet happy that the Mac is back. We got the return of the Mac. It is return of the Mac. One time. Anyways, I don't know. I, I don't have a very soulful singing voice, so I don't even know if I can rap, but I certainly like to do it. Anyways, we got a little bit of news this week. Um, most of it COVID-related. Alabama and LSU, Texas A&M and versus Tennessee has been postponed. And Auburn has 12 positive tests, so somehow we're going to tie this all back to Notre Dame, and we're going to blame Notre Dame because they rushed the field. So it's all Notre Dame's fault. We're going to dive right into that because that's the biggest news, the biggest game of the last week. I mean, just a tremendous, tremendous game. If you were happy or lucky enough to stay up and watch it, I actually mentioned that my 12-year-old or my 15-year-old daughter watched it, which was crazy. She's like, this is awesome, Dad. This is a great game. Like She's like, I'm trying to understand it. And she stayed up and watched it with me. Just a hell of a game. It was a hell of a performance by Ian Book. Kyron Williams, I mean, you can't say anything enough about him. He carried that team on his back. Ian Book played the game of his life and played better than I ever thought he could play. DJU did as much as he possibly could for Clemson. I don't think T-Law would have been much of a difference running that offense. The defense was the big issue for Clemson. It's been an issue all year, and then they were also missing some starters on the defensive line. So it was just a rough game for Clemson. I think if that game is played 25 times, 20 times, Clemson comes away victorious. So yeah, and they will probably meet again in the ACC championship. So fun. We get to see that again. All right, a couple games of note for last week. Let me see. Uh, BYU had a big matchup against Boise State on Friday night, which they absolutely throttled them 51-17. to Boise State lost their second-string quarterback. They had lost their starter. The second string guy went out. The third string guy came in. I think they even got to their fourth stringer too. So it was not a greatest indication of what Boise State is capable of doing. But Zach Wilson just looked phenomenal. I mean, the kid just continues to, the legend of him grows. We're going to talk a little bit more about him at the end of the show. So can't say enough about Zach Wilson. On that same Friday night, Miami's quarterback, Derek King, had on a tremendous game himself. For, uh, he ended up counting for 535 total yards, six touchdowns in the Miami's thrashing of NC State. Actually, it wasn't a thrashing. It was 44-41. I thought it didn't seem that close if you were watching the game. Miami was just, I mean, Derek King is capable of doing special things. Problem is, he's also capable of doing very unspecial things, and he's not very consistent. So for me, he's not really a Debbie prospect, but he sure is hella fun to watch, man. Another huge game, Florida went down to Georgia. Actually, it was on a neutral site. 
So they get to go into on a neutral site and play Georgia, and Georgia jumped out to a 14-0 league before Florida put its foot on the gas. Kyle Trask threw for 474 yards to lead Florida to a 44-28 win. They were up 38-21 at half and just kind of put it on cruise control the rest of the game. And for as good as Stetson Bennett looked at the beginning of the year, I think that Alabama did things for that Alabama game did some strange things to his psyche, man. Because that kid just he just he's not right. Like I was watching some tape of him earlier in the season, and I thought they were what you know you could see his limitations, but he looked like he had promise, and he just looks bad. Like it's it's just gone. Whatever he had was gone. Oregon beat Stanford thirty five fourteen. Uh, new quarterback Tyler Shaw didn't you know didn't do a whole lot, so, but that offense looked good and it will keep clicking. They obviously will have a pretty straight shot through the Pac-12. Uh, USC is another game we'll talk about. They looked okay. Uh, they beat Arizona State 28 to 27. Crazy, crazy end of the game. They were down 27-14, and they scored on a fourth down in the end zone with a tip pass, and then. Recovered then onside, then went down and scored again, and still gave Arizona State to even have time to come back. And a game of uh, dueling sophomore quarterbacks there with Keaton Slovis looked phenomenal. Threw for 381 yards. JT Daniels for Arizona State. I want to really, really like this kid. I really want to like it. I said JT Daniels. It's Jaden Daniels. Sorry about that. I want to like this kid a lot. Like I, I, he's got just a tremendous arm. He's he he can run, man. He when he takes off. He's got that ball in his hands. He is incredibly dangerous. But I, I just want to see more consistency, and I want to see him do what he needs to do in the big games like this. This was a probably a big game for them. Um, Arizona State's a program on the rise, so you want to see, you know, hold on to a game like that when you've got USC's back to the wall, 27-14. You know, you want to see him take that game and win. And Jaden just kind of didn't do much the rest of the game, so. Iowa State beat Baylor 38-31. Brees Hall, another 133-yard game. Um, Brees Hall continues to look amazing there. Let me see. I'm trying to go through these games real quick. I didn't make a whole lot of notes this week. I've been kind of busy the last couple days. Maryland took just throttled Penn State at Penn State, 35-19. Tolua Tagabiola looked great again. And, and I mean, we'll talk about the game they got coming up. But Penn State, man, something's going on at Penn State. 0-3, and they just apparently have not dealt well with all of the uncertainty of the offseason or what. They're one of those teams that sometimes can mask inefficiencies and things like that with talent, and I think it's getting exposed this year. That's kind of some of the games we'll go through, we, that I wanted to talk about in Week 10. I, I didn't want to spend a ton of time there. A couple of big performances. We'll talk a little bit more about top Kyle Trask because I want to go through my top five quarterbacks running backs, wide receivers for the 2021 draft at the end of this show. And Kyle Trask just, I mean, he continues to impress, continues to look composed. His improvement from last year to this year is is just, it looks like a totally, you saw flashes of it last year, and you saw what a kid could do, and he looks just, he's built on it and, and made it tons, tons better. I love his placement, his anticipation, touch, like he just, and he's got just a swagger, and, and I love it. You know, and he's got Kyle Pitts to throw to. Other than that, he doesn't have like an immensely talented wide receiver crew. You know, he's got some good players there, but you know, so that's uh, Trask. Just he just blows blows me away. Zach Wilson, same thing. I'm not going to continue to harp on this kid every week. I'll talk a little bit more about him at the end of the show on my top five. But he's just a guy that you you just you fall in love with. I mean, he's so much fun to watch and just. Yeah, the well, same thing. Charismatic, moxie. You know, he just plays with an intensity and love of the game. That's just amazing. 
And with the Mac, um, it also brought back Jarrett Patterson, my running back from Buffalo, who's um, kind of a darker horse guy. He's been massively productive in his college career and didn't think he were going to see him this year. He rushed 20 times for 137 yards, scored twice last week. So, and he's actually playing as we're recording this show right now. So, on a Tuesday night, yeah, there's several Mac games on a Tuesday night. Kind of crazy. Football every day of the week these 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 days. But um, Jarrett Patterson, is good to see him back on the field. I mentioned Kyron Williams. This kid is just shooting up the charts. Like, I have him in the 2022 eligible class. I have Brees Hall, Jerry and Ely, Isaiah Spiller is my top three. But Kyron's just, doom, doom, doom. hey, guys, don't forget about me. Like, Kyron's just, he's there. And he's, you know, for a guy who wasn't even really projected to be the starter there, I think everybody kind of had Chris Tyree taking the job and running with it. And Kyron has just looked amazing. He... He has phenomenal vision, patient, uses his blocks, and then when he does that, he hits that second level. He's got great breakaway speed. Like in the game against Clemson, his like I think it was the second or third play of the game, he had a really long touchdown where he you know you saw that speed when he hits the second level. And Clemson's got some got some track guys in the defense. So Kyron's a, a just he's shooting up there. He's right right there top he's easily top five twenty twenty two. So he could potentially chart knock at the door of those top three. Then we'll go back to another guy in the ACC, Javante Williams, the running back from North Carolina. I mean, some people are on this uh, Michael Carter, Michael Carter, Javante Williams. I mean, it's just a hell of a one-two punch there. But Javante Williams, is he's the man to me. Um, he's eligible to enter this draft in May, which he could, and I think he probably should. Um, the class is not the deepest coming into this draft. It's definitely more quarterback and running back heavy. So Javante Williams, I'm moving him up. I'll talk a little bit more about him at the end of this episode. He just got elite, elite acceleration. I mean, he just hasn't had a full workload. That's what people say. You know, he's sharing the backfield with Carter, and Carter seems to get most of the carries. So they're like, can he handle a full workload? Can he handle it? Well, I think he could. You know, he's definitely got the build. I don't have the numbers in front of him. He's 5'10", 220, I believe. He's a, he's a, he's a solid, solidly built back, and he, he gets the power. He runs over people. He loves to block, which I love to see somebody who loves to block. And he's got balance and just runs through people, but then he's also got that acceleration. So Devontae Williams, huge riser for me. And we finally got to see Bijan Robinson, the running back for Texas, who should finally take this job. I don't know what the Texas coaching staff needs to see. Tom Herman is needs to keep his job. So if he needs to keep his job, give the job, give the rock to Bijan. Come on, Herman, give it to Bijan. Bijan had 12 carries, 113 yards, two passes for 38 yards. Just looks impressive. He is just every bit of the potential top running back in that class, the 2023 class. He has power, balance, speed. I mean, he had a run there where I put it on my article for DLF when his array of moves is just crazy. He uses a spin move, a stiff arm, juke, like all in the span of a couple couple yards and just puts it all together and then doesn't lose speed while doing it. So he he's going to be a special one. Texas really wants to be better. They've got to give this kid the rock. So then we get to also see Rakeem Jarrett, uh, freshman wide receiver from Maryland. I don't know why I'm saying so many. I'm sorry, guys. The Maryland offense is just absolutely humming right now. Um, they have a really tough game coming up this week, obviously, against Ohio State. So it'll be curious to see what these guys can do against legitimate defensive players. Against Penn State, Jarrett caught five passes, 144 yards, two touchdowns. Both touchdowns were on, like, slants where he just took it and was just gone. Like, the kid is so, so quick. He's got the speed to pull away from guys. Great hands. 
We haven't seen a whole lot from him yet, but he was one of the top receivers in this class, and it was good to see him go to Maryland and do some, you know, and hopefully team with Tagovailoa there to have a nice, good combo for a couple, maybe, you know, one, two years. All right, Jordan Addison, Pittsburgh keeps doing it, man. This kid just keeps doing it. 11 more passes, 127 yards. He's just a complete receiver as a freshman. The things he does well already, tracking the ball, running routes precisely, clean, dangerous after the catch, great hands. You know, he's cerebral, cerebral, and just very, very sharp. You just love watching him play. I don't know what is going on in the background. Apparently someone's punching a clown or something. But anyways, so down there, people. Everybody's asleep, so maybe I should worry. Pennywise, is that you? Kylan Granson, SMU. It's good to see him have a good game. Six balls for 149 yards, one score versus Temple. He is a dangerous receiving tight end, and that's what I really love about him. He has great hands. He runs after the catch like a wide receiver. Runs great smooth routes, body control at this point, catch point. A little bit small two, at 6'3", 235, but he's just a dangerous, dangerous receiving tight end. And then one other name that I wanted to bring up in the Notre Dame-Clemson game was Michael Meyer, the freshman tight end from Notre Dame. This kid is going to be freaking special. Like, Eric Gilbert gets all the press as being the top tight end in this class and being the, you know, the highest-rated tight end in the history of 24-7 sports and blah, blah, blah. Myers is just, he's already showing a good all-around polished games. I love watching him. In that Clemson game, he had a couple blocks where he just leveled people. Like, he just, he's very tenacious blocker. He has soft, strong hands when he catches the ball. And when he, after the ball, he's, when he, after the ball, after the catch, he is very smooth. Like he just runs, and he's just fun to watch, man. He just looks way polished for a freshman tight end. So a name you could probably get, you know, pretty cheap still. So keep an eye on Michael Meyer. Now I mentioned Jaden Daniels earlier, and I was a little sad watching the game of the Oklahoma game against Kansas. I mean, they won 62-7, to so you don't think anything of it. But I looked a little closer at Spencer Rattler. I'm not super, super worried about him long term. But as a Debbie aspect, I am getting a little cautious. Um, the numbers, when you take a step back and you look at them, they look beautiful. Almost 70% of his passes are completed. He has 18 touchdowns, 6 interceptions. It looks nice. You know, he's leading the offense. They're scoring points. But I just don't, I don't see it. You know, when, after having a couple years of Kyler Murray, Baker Mayfield, you know, you, you expect more. And Rattler just doesn't look like it's it i know that's kind of vague the offense just doesn't have that same bite that same ferocity in it you know i, I don't know it's hard to explain it just does he makes some good throws but then at times he looks just you know, way lost and at this point in the season you know you'd think there's a little bit of pressure off them because they've lost a couple times and they don't you know they're not going to win the big 12 title so this is a time for him to grow you know in a season to kind of chalk it up for covid you know like whatever you know, this is a season where he can maybe get these out of the way. So if someone offered me like a really good package for him, I think I would probably move him. You know, he's he, he still got the pedigree. He's still got the talent. Just I'm, I'm a little apprehensive going forward with him. So, yeah, a little bit on Spencer there. A couple games I'm looking forward to this weekend. Ohio State does travel up to Maryland, which could be pretty much the most dangerous team the Buckeyes play until the until the Big Ten championship and might be even beyond that. Like, the Big Ten this year is is not looking the greatest. I mean, Michigan's losing. Indiana's actually, you know, looking dangerous, but I don't think they could possibly even come close to competing with, it, with Ohio State. 
Ohio State's pretty much got a like the golden brick road in front of them, right to the BCS title. I mean, to the championship. I mean, it's going to be rough for anybody to beat Ohio State. This Maryland team is just a team that could possibly keep up with them. You know, they can. They're showing the ability to score points. They have little to lose. They're you know, Tagovailoa's playing great. They have Jarrett. Jake Funk's been running like crazy in the backfield. So. I don't think they can keep up for a full game with Ohio State without causing a couple turnovers, getting a couple bounces to go their way. You know, like it would take a, a pretty decent craziness. And I think Ohio State probably remembers a couple years ago when Maryland just absolutely <laughs> destroyed them. So I, I think that's probably lingering in the back of their head as well. So I don't think Ohio State's going to overlook this game. In, in you know, so I don't, it may not be that close, but. I think Ohio Maryland has the guns to hang with them for a little bit, so it could be a fun game. This next game is one that I am super excited about. This is for you, man. Um, CJ, this is for you, man. Boston College, man. Notre Dame travels to Boston College. And this is a dangerous, dangerous game for Notre Dame. Like, this is my upset watch of the week. Like, this is seriously. Notre Dame just off the high of beating Clemson. You know, then they're going to travel over to Boston College for the scrappy Boston College team, man, which just this... You know, they don't have anything to lose, anything to gain at this this point. You know, they're and they have played some teams really tough this year. They played Clemson tough. You know, they they, they can score if they need to. They can play defense if they need to. They're, they kind of mold to their opponent. And if, if Notre Dame has another lackluster performance, if Ian Book comes back down to Ian where he where I think he is, this could be a dangerous, dangerous game. And I, I think Notre Dame knows that. Um, Boston Colleges have Phil Yurkovich, who's a pretty solid quarterback. Titan Hunter Long is future NFL talent. They can score. You know, it's going to be a hard-fought battle. And it's it's a dangerous game for Notre Dame. So watch out for this one. I actually have this as an upset watch, and I would not be at least bit stunned if Boston College won. I'll actually throw probably some money on it, too, especially if they have a – I haven't seen a uh, – a line for it yet i'm not much of a betting person but if there's like a six seven point line on notre dame over boston college i think i would take boston college in that i think it'll be really close three probably less than three points and i would not be totally surprised if boston college won and the only other game there's not a lot of really great games this weekend sorry guys um i'm curious to watch arkansas they do battle number six florida at florida another one kind of at the same you know, Florida's on this huge high from beating Georgia. And Arkansas is another team that's just scrappy. And they have uh, quarterback Felipe Franks, who was the quarterback of the future for the Gators several years ago. And kind of, you know, went down that path, transferred to Arkansas. And he's looked pretty darn good this year. So I expect him to have some extra, you know, a little ump for this game. So it'll be nice to see what Franks does in this game. Florida can score in droves. So, I mean, as long as they keep scoring, I don't think Arkansas can possibly keep up with them. But Arkansas will, will probably make it interesting. So, again, I don't think Florida's going to take lightly as well. They're in the driver's seat for the SEC East. They are as close to having the Alabama Crimson Tide in their sights as they've been in years. So, Florida's not going to take this game lightly, I don't think. So, all right, we're going to do something just a little bit different here. I've been kind of tinkering with my rankings a lot lately, kind of you're moving people up, moving people down. It's so hard to keep up with the rankings this year with people out you know, opting out, things like that. So it, it's tricky to keep people that aren't playing like Trey Lance, Journey Brown, things like that in the top of your rankings when you haven't seen them play in a while. So I'm just going to kind of tinker around with this to let you guys know where I'm at right now is my top quarterbacks, running backs, wide receivers for the 2021 draft. Watch a lot of tape. 
broke down a lot of stuff, listened to a lot of other analysts to see what they think. You know, kind of, I do a lot of my scouting is I do it, I watch it, I read what other people say, I listen to what other people say, I double check mine to see if I see the same things. And, you know, I kind of use it as a system of checks and balances because I'm still, you know, fairly new at this and I'm not like a professional scout. I've not had any schooling or anything like that. So I try to kind of keep myself in check and and make sure I see what I think I see, you know. And so I I use this as kind of a a barometer. So right now we'll go through the 2021 eligible quarterbacks and not going to spend a ton of time on the top two. It's still Trevor Lawrence. It's still Justin Fields. I don't see that changing unless, you know, some crazy crazy, crazy thing happens. Like if we went just off of this year's tape, I think I would probably have Zach Wilson number one, but you know, the level of competition is, you know, and then, you know, Zach has had a couple down years where he struggled a little bit and wasn't quite as consistent. So I can't, you know, justify putting him over those two. T-Law and Fields have just done it. They've done it at the biggest stages with, you know, the top talent against the top teams. So both of them bring a lot of mobility leadership to the game to their teams and both are going to be very successful NFL quarterbacks they should both be very early drafted and next I will go Zach Wilson as my quarterback three I know it's kind of crazy but I love the mobility the way he throws on the run his footwork I mean just he is just I think he's got the intangibles and then he's also got that x factor you know that will make him a successful NFL quarterback and I want to see this kid in a fun offense that will actually use him and I've heard the Bears 150 times, and that scares the bejesus out of me. Like, I hope they can use him right. So I don't know if the Bears are my first choice. I don't know what would be my first choice, honestly. So number four, I have Kyle Trask. I love his footwork, poise under pressure, ball placement, touch. Um, he's a little bit of a statuesque quarterback, but he does move all right in the quarterback. He uses, he goes through his progressions. He uses the all every inch of the field. Spreads the ball around. Um, I love Kyle Trask's improvement this year a lot. So for me, he's my quarterback four. And my number five is Trey Lance. And man, if I wish we could have seen this kid play this year. Putting him at five seems like kind of a travesty um, because of the promise and what he is uh, able to do. I think he might fall in this draft because we haven't seen him and because these other guys have performed on the biggest stage. You know, the biggest stages and have played this year. So Trey Lance not playing this year, I think, kind of hurts his draft stock. Maybe it'll make him drop to the second round. Whereas I think he would have been a first round lock if he'd have played this year and done anywhere near what he did last year. So Trey Lance will be number five for me. And then kind of a 5B is a Mac Jones. I'm not as sold as some people are on his NFL ability. I do think he has good poise, leadership. He has not been tested a whole ton uh, you know, he's not been hit a whole lot. He's a statuesque guy. He doesn't move around a whole lot in the pocket, but man, he can chuck the ball and he knows how to use those receivers of his. So he's my quarterback six. And I think he could be drafted, you know, day one, day two, but I like those four quarterbacks, Lawrence Fields, Wilson, Trask, all to be round one guys at this point. Lance Mac Jones could potentially slip into round one, but I think they're more round two, three type guys. Running backs is something I have tinkered with. Tinkered and tinkered and tinkered. Tinkered, tinkered, and tinkered some more. All right. Number one and two are probably never going to change. ETN's been my number one in this class for as long as I can remember, and I'm not going to change that. He's elite quickness, elite balance, elite speed in the open field. 
He's just got the ability to be a true game changer. Najee Harris is your running back that can fit in on just about any team and will be very good running back, but I don't see the ability to truly be an elite, elite back. Um, just a guy you can count on for 100 yards every every week. We'll catch a couple balls, great blocking, strong, powerful, durable. You know, he will definitely be probably a more solid back, but not quite as spectacular. So I, I will take ETN, Harris. I don't have any fault of anybody that flipped those two. Number three, four, these are tough because Journey Brown, I think what I saw in that limited sample size, 2019 was some of the best tape I've seen on running back in quite a while. Like I love it. The way his speed he plays at is just entirely different than everybody else when he's on the field. He is incredibly quick, powerful. He makes people miss. Acceleration is not elite, but pretty darn close. He needs to add some pass catching, but you can see where he would have that ability in his game. Um, like you said, it's hard to put him at three, but man, the promise is there and it's so hard. I keep I keep wanting to move him down, but the promise is there. I think Najee and ETN are going to be the only guys with round one potential, but would not be surprised if there were none drafted in the first round. Whereas Brown, my next couple will probably be two, three type guys, you know, round two, round three. So Journey Brown, Kenneth Gainwell is number four for me, and this is another one that's hard because I really wish I could have seen him play this year. He's got elite speed. He's very elusive. He uses his vision well, patient, sets up block. I mean, just there's so much love about his game. Um, their offense was kind of a, not gimmicky, but one that definitely excelled in getting him in the space, which really highlighted his strengths, which, you know, that's what you want to do. You want to highlight your best players. So Gainwell is a guy who... We'll need to land on the right team, but I think if he does, he's got potential to be like one of the top several backs drafted in your rookie drafts next year. So my number five, this is crazy, Javante Williams from North Carolina. I'm moving him all the way up to five. Like I just absolutely love everything I've seen about this kid. Talked about it earlier, the things that I love, the strength, the balance, how smooth he is, how hard he hits, the pass blocking, all that. I just love it. So... This is probably the most controversial thing you'll ever hear. But I have Chuba at six, and I will not take Chuba in rookie drafts if I don't have to. Like, if he falls to the late second round, I might grab him. I am just not sold on Chuba Hubbard, and I wish I could put a finger on it. I just don't see it. I just don't see it. You know, I've talked about it before. He's hard to bring down. He's got that elite speed when he gets that second level. You know, he's got the home run hitting ability. I see what people love about him. He's hard to bring down. He, he's got, he can run through ta- contact. I just don't see it consistently enough to want to make him like a true RB1 in the NFL. Like, I, I just, I don't know. I, I, I have trouble with those guys on the fantasy level where, you know, they don't, they need that, you know, 60, 70 yard touchdown to be fantasy relevant. You know, like if they don't get it, then they're just, Pugh. You know, that's the type of players that I try to avoid in fantasy, and that's what I can see him being. And I hope he proves me wrong. He's a hell of a good kid. Great story. So, yeah, I got Chuba at six with an asterisk of I will probably not draft Chuba. Wide receivers was, I swear, I went through the top 15 of these and just shuffled and shuffled and shuffled and shuffled and shuffled over the last six months. Like... The only one that stayed the same was Jamar Chase. Jamar Chase is the number one wide receiver, and I don't think. Several people have other ones, but for me, it's not even close. Like, he is just 
the complete package. He's strong, great route running, dominator rating on a huge prolific offense. Um, I love the doggy he plays with. He just, he wants the ball and he will get it. Like he's got that alpha junkyard dog, you know, just, I love watching Jamar Chase play. This one's kind of crazy. And I was, I talked a couple weeks ago with it on, with Travis May and Devonta Smith is my number two. Um, I love how versatile he is. He does damage all levels of the field. He's great with the ball in his hands. Athletic, precise, clean route runner. He's a little bit on the thin side, but he has just been so dominant at Alabama. And I think he's the closest thing to a complete receiver they've really truly had. They've had guys with elite talent, of elite speed like Waddle and elite route running like Judy. But I think Devonta kind of puts it all together, and I just absolutely love watching him. I don't think he gets anywhere near enough credit, and that's fine. I'll take him. Whatever. Let him fall. Rashad Bateman is number three for me. I love his game as well. He's got a great all-around game, just like Smith. His route running is very good. He wins early, creates separation on short routes, tracks deep balls. He gets good body positioning. Like, he could be a truly great ride receiver. Like, he is... These top three, I mean, are just, for me, they're three with a bullet. Like, Chase is number one, like that elite tier. Smith and Bateman are just a tier under, like a little bitty tier under. And then you get these next couple guys, you know, that are like another tier down. So, Bateman's just amazing. Kane, you guys found a good one up there. All right, number four, I have Rondell Moore. Just simply on the, the promise that we saw in his freshman year. How insanely fast he is, dynamic with the ball in his hands, how he can be used in so many different ways. He's a smaller guy, but he is strong and he plays big. Four is because of the injury concerns. And, you know, the size is not as big of an issue, but the injuries are. You know, I really was hoping to see him play this year, but just sorely on prop on promise, more is it, man. He he's gotta be in that next tier. You know, these t- the tier that are just kind of, yeah, you know, you kind of worry. Jalen Waddle's another one in that tier. I think he, if he had not gotten hurt, would probably be up higher for most people. If he hadn't got hurt, he would still be here for me. I love his vision. I love his speed. I mean, the speed for days. His burst in and out of breaks, lateral agility, cuts on a dime, precise route running. He can do so much in so many different ways and be used in so many different ways in the NFL. So I have no no fear in retaking him. No, you know, I think he's going to be one of the top guys taken in the draft this year. Could have been the top guy. I think maybe you fall a little bit, but and the last guy that I kind of wanted to mention is Terrace Marshall from LSU. Freakishly athletic guy, just incredibly hard to cover, gets by defensive backs in a hurry, smooth, great size, speed, just a guy that gets open at all different levels of the field on many different types of ways. So I think he's more of a technical, precise route guy probably better in the slot but you know can be used in many different ways so Terrace Marshall is is a six for me and like that more Waddle Marshall are kind of like that next tier I think all all six of those guys have round one type of talent but they're obviously not all going to go in round one um I think probably a couple of those probably three maybe four will go in the round one next year but all, all of those guys could be potential fantasy assets. And then you get you know deeper in the wide receivers. Sage Surratt, Elijah Moore, Tylen Wallace, Chris Olave, Seth Williams, Amon Ross St. Brown, Diami Brown. If Justin Ross comes back, Tutu Atwell, Tamari and Terry. Like I, feel like I can just go on and on about guys that could potentially be 
you know, wide receiver twos in the NFL. So there's a lot of talent coming out of the wide receivers this year in the draft. So I wanted to go with those, those real quick. Tight ends beyond the top three of Pitts, Jordan, and Fryermuth. I have not done a ton of tape watching on them, and I want to do a little bit more on the Kohlers. Charlie Kohler, Brant Kuth, Kylan Granson, Jake Ferguson. You know, I want to see some more of those guys before I, you know, do a little bit more ranking on those guys. So that's what I have for this week. Just real quick, you can find this podcast at Debbie Manual on Twitter. You can find the Debbie Manual YouTube channel on YouTube. Just search Debbie Manual. Be doing some cut-ups there. Um, probably not as many these days. Um, I got kind of some big news. I am actually going to be taking my talent, if you want to say it, over to the Dynasty Nerds, where I'll be working mainly in video and uh, cutting up games there and doing some more Debbie stuff over there. Just kind of... I've been with DLF for a couple years, and the DLF crew is the best, one of the best in the business. Like they are, they have been phenomenal. You know, the partners Ryan McDowell and Ken and James, everybody has been phenomenal, and I can't thank them enough for what they've given me an opportunity. And when I started writing, I'll get choked up a little bit. When I started writing, DLF was like my goal. You know, that was my mountain, and and I made it to the top. So. I will be forever thankful for them, for what they have done, but I just kind of have not grown out of love, but have kind of started to love writing less and wanted to do more of the video and behind-the-scenes type stuff. I want to help build a draft guide, you know, things like that. Just some things I want to do behind the scenes, so just want to switch things up a little bit. So DLF, I absolutely love you guys. If anybody's listening and you're not a subscriber, DLF is one of the ones that I would highly highly recommend getting a subscription to and one of the other ones is the dynasty nerds so i know just about everybody on the staff and it should be a really easy easy fit there i they're a great group of guys and i know that you know i'll fit in great there so anyways this podcast will still be you probably won't notice too much different i'm probably gonna i need to get some guests on here i know i don't you guys probably can't stand me rambling and rambling but and my crazy singing so all right, guys, for that, I will sign out. Everybody have a great week, and I will talk to you next week. Wait, there's more? Don't forget about the Mountain West. The Mac that can flex. Somebody's next. Ivy League fresh. Literally, though. Thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of players to test. I'm serious. They will talk about the most obscure players on this planet. Potentially another planet. Like... Dude's got a 4-3-40 from Mars, like, I don't know, I, it's too much, I'm done. I'm gone this time.